Welcome to I Testify Conversation Station. It's your girl, Mel Mel. I'm Ishana. And I'm your boy, Eugene Samuel. Today's topic is mob mentality. The quote of the day says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Matthew 7, verse 13 to 14. Mob mentality, herd mentality, pack mentality, and some say gang mentality. It shows how people are influenced by their peers, their friends, their family, churches, organization, and movements that make us adopt behaviors that are dependent on emotions and not sense. We believe that we are good and that we are incapable of doing evil. And for others, we think we're in charge of our decisions. And so we decide to do evil, not because somebody told us we should do it, but because we simply just want to do it. But the reality is this. We are social creatures and therefore we follow social norms. If you were a soldier in Germany in World War II and you protested the killing of Jews, you were shot to death immediately. Now, if you're a whistleblower, your career is ultimately destroyed. And so today we're talking about the effects of the mob mentality, the power of the mob. Now, we tell children that we should stand up and, be- and stand up for what we believe in. But the reality is the likelihood of us actually doing that when we're adults is negative, especially when it means that everything we've ever acquired must come to an immediate full stop, that everything will be destroyed. And so our conversation will be broken into three parts. Number one, the monuments of mob mentality. Number two, the power of the mob. And lastly, the power of individuality the solution. And so we're going to start by talking about the monuments of mom mentality. We're going to talk, we're going to look at two men who stand as the pillars of what it looks like when the mob gets to you. And that is Peter and Pilate. And so let's just start with, uh, before, before we get into it, um, I'd like to pose a question. What are some uh, examples of uh, or examples that you can think of when mob mentality comes to mind? Um, peer pressure, like people at school pressuring other people to do yeah, definitely do drugs or act a certain way or dress a certain way or um, yeah, just things like that. Right. And Eugene? Well, um, personally, yeah, everything that you're saying, yeah, for sure. Peer pressure and all that stuff, especially like in the workplace. I find that that mob mentality, because like it's either if you don't follow what everybody's doing, it's like you're being shunned, right? And you don't mm. want that. You don't want mm. that because let's say you just started the new job or you're just beginning to get somewhere. And all of a sudden, everybody's just like, whoa, why are you so weird? <laughs> like, exactly. So the fear of rejection, that's a good point. That's one of the points we're going to get to is yeah. 
the fear of rejection or fear in itself mm-hmm. uh, drives us to do things that we wouldn't do under normal cir- circumstances. Exactly. Um, so you talked about peer pressure. One thing that comes to mind is online bullying. Oh. Yeah. Jeez. You could talk big game when you're behind Online, a computer yeah. screen. But the reality is when you're really face to face with someone when you see the emotions of a human in real life, you kind of back away from being so bold. It's only a few of us and they're usually psychopaths who are <laughs> able to like not neglect the feelings of someone else and just to keep going. But for the majority of people, it's easier to talk big game behind a screen. Oh yeah. Right? And yeah. so that's mob mentality. And usually the masses flock Whoever they feel like is has the advantage, they kind of backpack on top of them. So, um, yeah. And so that takes us to now looking at these two pillars in the Bible that can show us today and teach us a good lesson about the effects of the mob, mob mm-hmm. mentality. And so let's start with Peter. Um, let's just break down the story of Peter real quick. If Shanna, if you want to just tell us uh, what happened with Peter in the judgment hall. Okay, so in the judgment hall, when Peter had the opportunity to make himself known as somebody who believes in Christ or who followed him, he denied him three times and even went as far as changing his accent to try to seem as though he he wasn't part of Christ's gang or part, part of like a follower of Christ, mm-hmm. and which is exactly what Jesus said that he was going to do. And even though he said, no, I would never do that to you when it came down to it, when there were a lot of people surrounding him and the pressure was on, he he folded. He said, oh, I, I don't know who this man is. That's not my friend. He's He switched up, basically. Yeah. He switched up. And so let me just give a backstory. So Christ was in Gethsemane right before the mob came. This is the mob of soldiers and Pharisees and priests to come to arrest him. So they take him and the disciples ran away and they left him. And uh, the first place they take him is to a high priest. Um, And the next stop was Pilate or the the high priest. And this was the judgment hall. This is where the the interaction with Peter happened with him denying him three times. Then they moved on to Pilate, which is why today we're focusing on Peter and Pilate. So Peter's denying happened in the judgment hall where the high priest was, which was Christ's first stop. And then Pilate was Christ's second stop. Mm -hmm. And so, um, like you mentioned, Peter denied Christ three times. But it's interesting because Peter didn't go into the judgment hall alone. It was Peter and John. John, So if we look at the contrast between how John acted and how Peter acted, we'll see what exactly the mob mentality does to you, what the power of the mob is. And so, uh, Eugene, tell us about John. How did John enter the room and what was John's response to being in, inside of the judgment hall with the mob that wanted to kill Christ. Uh, well, for when I was reading it, it was like the way how John entered and everything. He was like more, he was more like assured that he was okay. This is this is happening here right now. Like I shouldn't just be like I shouldn't just be behind everything. Let me just whenever they ask me, like bro, I'm gonna be there, <laughs> right? So right. That, that's what I got from from what uh, when how John entered and everything, just his composure and everything. Right. I was just like, okay, true. He's uh, he's really gonna stand up for this man right now. Right. <laughs> right. So it says John entered, or in fact, the high priest allowed John in. He mm. looked at John and he knew that John was a disciple of Christ, mm. and he allowed him in because the high priest thought if he allows John to witness the terrible, the cruelty of what was being said about Christ and knowing that Christ wouldn't fight against them and exercise his power, then John would flip. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the high priest allowed him in. And so John found himself in a little corner, just close enough to see Christ, but far from the crowd. Peter walks in. In order for Peter to get into the judgment hall, John spoke for him and said, this is my who? My friend. Yeah. And so Peter walks in and Peter goes where? Straight into the crowd. Yeah. And so what do we see there? Those who avoid the crowd are not stung by the crowd. Right. Mm-hmm. And those who put themselves in the crowd, even though they might have different beliefs than the crowd, they are what? They're more affected by it. They're affected by mm-hmm. they're affected by it. So that and that's a contrast there. And any comments on that? Um, I think it's the same for like in our day-to-day lives, as in like who we associate with and the people that we do surround ourselves. Mm. Because I think that at the end of the day, it's who you surround yourself with are the people who are going to be influencing you to do certain things so john went out of his way he avoided that whole situation in general say if they did want to harm him or something like that then he wouldn't be in the middle he wouldn't be in the throng where the action is happening or anything like that he was off to his side doing his own thing peter i guess he didn't think through it so he just went right in the middle right surrounded by a whole bunch of people who didn't think the same things that he did so when the pressure is really on at the end of the day, Peter is the one who's more in the center of it, and he's the one without an escape. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be more, more, more of a pressure mm. for him yes. to you know, get out of that situation right. compared to John. So Eugene, why do you think we, we have the idea, we think we're so confident that we can hang out with anyone as long as we believe what we believe? Because that's what we usually hear. Like, mm. I'm not bad, I'm not a thief, but I can hang out with people who steal and I'm not going to become a thief. Why do we think we're so confident that it won't, the fire won't burn us? Why are we so confident walking through the fire and believing the fire won't burn us? I mean, like for the most part, I believe like if, um, if you like, when it comes down to those situations, like you have to like, I don't know, like you got to think about it. Like I know that some people may be like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm steadfast. I know this, but you're dealing with, principalities like <laughs> you're dealing somebody. with things that are bigger than yourself and and like yeah of course i'm not gonna lie like i've had my had my moments i'm like oh no like i can i can be in the crowd of uh, all these people and they won't tempt me they won't be able to like mm. put me in place uh, say things to me and make me do things that i don't want to but um you like i'll be standing there i'm looking i'm just like okay um Something's wrong here. <laughs> yeah. Something's wrong here. I gotta like either take myself out of here or find a find a way how to get out of here. Cause like as Peter went right into the crowd, mm. right, it was just like he has no escape. So if I'm literally right in the midst of everything, I'm gonna get influenced. Mm. Right. Yeah. And the same thing with John. John had an escape because he wasn't so far, he wasn't all the way in there, but right. he was still in the presence of everything that was going on. Right. You're less vulnerable. I yeah. think when you're out of the crowd, there's less, um, there's less intensity, and you're surround. You're not surrounded by things that could harm you, so you're less vulnerable. You're out of the way, basically. Right. And so being around. So what you're saying, Ishana and Eugene, is when you place yourself in associations that are contrary to what you stand for. Yeah. You are inviting temptation in. Exactly. Yeah. Because temptation is an invi- temptation is not an invitation you give the devil. No. Temptation is an invitation the give the devil gives you. you. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And for most of the time, we love to place ourselves in the way of temptation and then be upset 
that we fell for the temptation. Like, God, why did you put me in this position? Mm -hmm. No, if God said, don't do this. And you went and put yourself in the, with people who do it and you eventually do it. You have tempted the devil to tempt you and not the other way around. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I think it goes further to say how much he was unable to come out as who he actually was and actually stand up for Christ. Because I think there's just a difference between Peter just saying, oh, I don't know who this guy is. I don't know who Jesus is, you know, three times. But the fact that he went out of his way to pick up on, on another accent, someone who he totally isn't, it's like him changing his outfit and going in there with a costume, yeah. you know, it's just completely letting go of himself and everything that he stands for just so that he could, I guess, fit in with the crowd and pass as one of them so that he isn't rejected by them. So let's backtrack a little bit. Peter and John, all the disciples were in Gethsemane with Christ before they got to the judgment hall. And there's something that happened that's very critical as to why Peter denied Christ three times. Christ uh, had called a few disciples to come with him as he prayed. Yeah. And they slept while he prayed. And he tried to wake them up a few times and they went back to sleep. And so the point that is made here is when you fail to be compl uh, or comply to the small things, you will fail with big things. The Bible says if you're not faithful in the little things, you will not be faithful in the much. Right. And so when Christ ordered them to pray and watch, they slept. Can't even do that. And they were dreaming. Yeah. Mm. And so now when it was time to stand up for Christ, and even when Christ was arrested, they all ran. They right. ran away. Yeah. So when we don't pray and watch which is watch what's going on around you. Like you're in the world, you're gonna see temptation. Be able to have that, 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 that spiritual vision that you can see temptation coming, you can see evil in the midst of you and still kind of deter yourself away. Be able to pray and keep connected with Christ to give you the power to overcome. Had Peter done that, he would have had the strength and the faith to get him through the test of faith. But instead he buckled. Right. And so that's the bigger lesson here is when we pray and we watch and we keep God's commands and we're, we're knowledgeable about the things that are to come, we're not going to be surprised. Mm. We're not going to be thrown into a situation and, oh my God, what, what did I do? Yeah. John and Peter are in the same situation. So it's not like they didn't both get the test of faith. Right. But one buckled and one didn't because the other one kept his eye on the prize, which right. was Christ. A lot of people walking around who are living a lie. Yeah. They know who they are. They know what they stand for. But because majority rules, they start to act in the manner that everyone else is acting, knowing deep down inside, this is not who I want to be. Yeah. Or even like, even like code switching. Like I understand there's like a certain way that you speak to professionals and a certain way you speak to your friends. But sometimes if it's just like a different type of friend group, then you're going to change the way you speak. Mm. You know? So like when I see, you know, Ralph, you're Aaron, I'm definitely going to speak a certain way. Right. But it's not the same way that I would speak to my friends mm -hmm. at school, for example. Because they right. look at me, they'd be like, what are you doing? Like, why, why are you talking like that? <laughs> you right. know? So yeah, like even just like in our day-to-day -day lives like we switch codes all the time and how we speak or even like the way we walk and how we dress mm. depending on the group that we're uh associating with at that time right and it's still you it's like still the same person like i didn't change in one day from the morning to the afternoon but it's just yes. like characters that you created for each um situation situation like yeah. yeah 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 that's a good point and, and I, I just think that. it kind of brings to mind uh being in the church, 
When you walk through those doors, you are a totally different holier somebody. Than yeah. <laughs> You're the, the holier than that the way you walk. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, you never sinned before, you know? Mm. And then like you said, you go to work, all of a sudden you're the professional. Yeah. You go with your friends, all of a sudden you, you're speaking ghetto, you're speaking <laughs> slang, you know? But this is not you, right? And so those are just small examples and no, they're not wrong because there is this, a, a code of conduct for right, every place for that you are. Yeah. But what is the conduct of Christianity? This is something that is constant. Yeah. Whether at work, whether at play, whether with your friends or wherever you go, it must be constant. Faith is constant. And that's, that's, that's what, that's what the lesson was here. Whether you're in the judgment hall, whether you're experiencing Christ being crucified or whether you are following Christ and he was preaching and performing miracles, the way you act, your habits, the way you think, your intentions must always remain the same. And that's the true, that's the only duty of a Christian is to be consistent in revealing the character of Christ. Yeah, that's true. It's facts. Because I'm not going to lie, it's like, it's like every single day, it's like you got to be in that mentality. Okay, you know what? Today, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to do my best to be the yes. man of Christ that I proclaim to be, mm. right? And like, I'm not, even in my own life, I'm just like, okay, these people I'm with, I'm going to act the same as if I was with anybody else. Yes. Especially like, like I, was, I would say like, the way how I act in front of my parents, it's different, but it shouldn't be to be like, okay, I'm going to be totally different yeah. from yes. everybody else. Yes. Yeah. Right? That's true. That's true. And so let's move on to, so that's Peter. Let's move on to Pilate. So Christ goes from Gethsemane. He goes to the judgment hall of the high priest. This is where Peter denies him three times, and he's with John as well. And the second stop, they take him to Pilate. And Pilate must make the decision to crucify Christ or not. And so, Eugene, if you can give us a little breakdown or summary, what does Pilate do? So basically what Pilate does is like he, <laughs> so basically he, when Jesus comes in and everything, they, the, the priests say, judge this person for he has, he has done this. They, the priest can't necessarily give Pilate a justified reason to kill the man, right? So what Pilate does in, in turn, he literally sends Jesus to Herod, right? So when he sends it to, sends him to Herod, and then Herod's like, I don't find anything wrong with this man. Like, I don't get it. What's going on? And he sends him back to, to Pilate. And then from there on, he, Pilate's like, I still don't find anything wrong. I don't know why you guys are, guys are trying to get, get this man killed for, for, for the way I see it. And what was Pilate really doing there? By trying to avoid to make the decision, like he was—he's basically—he didn't want to—he didn't want to to have the blood on his hands, right? Because of the pressure. Because of the pressure, and that's the key here. Pilate was to make the decision for the entire world mm-hmm. whether Jesus was going to be crucified or not, right? But because of the pressure, he literally could have said no or yes. Nothing mm-hmm. would have happened to him. But he was scared—the pressure of the mob, right. the mob mentality. That's what we're talking about. And there's something that. Um, that was very striking about the story. Who visited Pilate's uh, wife? It was an angel. An angel. There you go. <laughs> so an angel of the Lord visited Pilate's wife to let him know that the man in front of Pilate was indeed Christ. And even when Pilate knew that, Pilate still proceeded to do what? To quiet his troubled conscience by sending him off to others or saying he's innocent. And then even telling Christ, and he, he had an encounter of Christ where Christ could read his thoughts, and Christ was letting him know, you know who I am. I don't need to tell you who I am, because he kept asking, who are you? you I, because he would ask him, are you, am I, are you the king of the Jews? But he knew, 
Pilate knew in his heart who Christ was and that he wasn't an indeed an innocent man. But Pilate, like you said, the pressure, he couldn't take the pressure. And so Pilate allowed Christ to go and Christ was crucified. Yeah. And it is Pilate who failed Christ. Pilate is the reason Christ was crucified. And now let's look at the ending of Pilate's life. What happened to Pilate at the end of his life? He killed himself? Is that what he did? Pilate killed himself. He was so troubled by what happened that he ended up killing himself. Mm-hmm. And so um, I would like us to read the first scripture of the day. And Exodus 23 verse 2 says, Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. Neither shall thou speak in a cause to decline after many to rest judgment. And so here's an example of a man who literally is the reason why Christ died. Yeah. But thank the Lord because Christ rose himself up so that we may have eternal life. <laughs> but this is the man who made this decision, not because de- destiny or his, this was his fate, but because he put himself in the position to be the one to do this. And our choices is what causes us to either gain eternal life or not gain eternal life. Because a lot of us like to think that our destiny, our fate is locked in. Like God knew ahead of time. Right. Yes, he does know ahead of time, but he's giving you the freedom to make that decision. And you must play your cards right by your choices to place yourself on the side of good or on the side of evil. Are you going to examples you can think of? I mean, just in my life, just like doing, like doing the arts for me was basically a turnaround from what my parents didn't want me to do. Mm. Right? Because it's not like, oh, what's photography going to get you? Are you getting paid from that? Are you making any money from that? I'm like, well, it's not that I have to get paid for it. It's what I feel like I should be doing. Your passion. Right? It's yeah, exactly. My passion for it, right? So like, just just by that on its own, I know some, some people may not agree with it, but am I going to do it just because somebody else doesn't agree with it? Or am I going to do it because that's how I feel passionate about what I'm doing? And also, it's the way... The way I'm doing it too, right? That trend that transcends from: Am I doing it for, for the for God, or am I doing it just for myself to be just to feel good for myself, right? Right, right. I think that's really important. The fact that it's only you at the end of the day who's gonna live with the decisions you make, not the mob. Like um, Pilate, he just he's he didn't want any accountability, and he said, you know, you guys take over on this one. He basically mm-hmm. let the mob decide what his actions were going to be and because of that once the mob left once they all forgot about jesus after he died Pilate was the one who was living with this guilt Mm. and it was that's what led him to you know kill himself himself at the end of the day he was the only one that was left to deal with the consequences of his actions but the ones that other people pushed him to do Mm. i just it, it makes me think of just think about how crazy the mob was Think about going to a sporting event. Um, I'll share a quick story. I loved basketball. So in high school, like I didn't miss a game. Like this was my thing. You know, my <laughs> girls are ready to cheer. And you get so ramped up. Even if you're a silent person and you're in the stands and it's like maybe the, the finals game, like everybody starts to go crazy. That's mob mentality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The mob is going so wild and so going so crazy and getting so noisy. You can't just sit there and just fold your hands. You have to be part of it, right? right. So you start to do things that you wouldn't do in a normal circumstance. You're, if you were shy, all of a sudden you become bold. You're screaming. If you, you know, you're <laughs> screaming at the top of your lungs. And I did that and it got me into a situation where 
I was now behind a girl trying to fight other girls. I'm not a fighter. But you have so much adrenaline. You are, you are literally driven to make decisions you wouldn't even want to make if you were in your natural state of mind. Right. So here I am. Small as I am, you know, now it's like a, it's a, it's a tag team fight. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I cannot fight for my life. I don't believe in fighting. Like, this is peace and love. But I have to do what I have to do because I'm part of the mob and I'm taken away. I mean, yeah. thank God it didn't even go that far. I was out of there. But that's the point. You end up, dri- you're driven to make decisions because of adrenaline. There's noise, the wild, the craze, you know. And that's what Pilot was going through. And so sometimes the noise of the world and how much passion they have towards this thing and them cheering it on and making it look good might seem good. But what looks good doesn't mean that it is good. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the character of what it is that you, that, that's being presented that you got to look at and see if that's in alignment with the character of God and what you stand for, right? Yeah. Yeah, like even like, like going back to the whole mob thing, like uh, like what the crowd was really saying and all that, especially when they brought out Barabbas, I was just like, oh my goodness. I was like, you really, you guys are really going to pick someone who is a murderer, <laughs> like, like going against that. everything, <laughs> every status quo that you guys say that it's wrong and all of a sudden for a person that's innocent who has, yes. who just preaches the word, you know? Like to me, that was kind of crazy. And the fact that when I was reading uh, Desire of Ages, what I was saying, like the mob was like demons, like mm. the way how they were, <laughs> yeah. like the way how they were chanting and everything is just like, oh my goodness. Like imagine yourself being there at that time. I'm just like, oh, okay. This is, so, uh, so see how shouting is pretty much described as the demonic way of expressing a point that doesn't make sense to the intellect yeah but it drives your emotions right and that's the work of are the principalities is if we somehow the devil says if i somehow can get people to think off of emo to make decisions off of emotions i have them because mm-hmm. right. they were shouting things that didn't make sense take uh don't crucify Bar- um Barabbas. Barabbas. yeah this was a man who was a serial killer. He was killing any and everyone. It yeah. wasn't like he was just, he killed one person. This man was going around the streets killing any and everyone. You could have been next. But we'd rather keep him on the streets than a man who was healing. Right. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, sense is thrown out it's the door. Gone, yeah. um, and so let's just read our next scripture. Let's take a look at what does God say? What is the warning he gives to us in his word about a mob mentality? Uh, James 4. Verses four, uh, ye adulterers and ye adulteresses, know, know ye not that the friend, then the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, whosoever therefore will be a friend to the world is a friend, to, is an enemy to God. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity against God? And mm-hmm. if you choose the world, then you know that you will become my enemy. That is what exactly, God is saying. Yeah. And so that's a warning for us today is do you choose God? And what is choosing God? Choosing the principles of God. Mm-hmm. And that's the key. Or do we choose the world? Like we said, we're social creatures. And so we, what do we do? We follow social, social norms. Yeah, social norms. But at the risk of losing eternal life of your salvation, is, is it all worth it is the question. Mm-hmm. And if it is, move forward. But you know the end. Right. right. So Proverbs 14 verse 12 reads... There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Mm, Eugene, what do you think about that verse? There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is death. Like, 
everything that you think is right isn't necessarily right. Because mm. there's always, as, as human beings, we know that we are born into sin. And mm. because of that, the end, the end that's going to happen is our death. Right. So if you don't live, so if you don't live according to the principles of God, and you don't take on that mantle, you like you gotta. It's like an everyday. It's like an everyday thing that you gotta go through. Like, am I? This is me. I'm gonna go through this. I'm gonna wake up in the morning when I pray. Mm. I'm gonna do my best to be the godly yes. man that I proclaim to be. Yes. So that one, I can receive eternal salvation, or am I gonna not do anything? Do everything that I proclaim to be and just do the opposite. And what's the result of that? Which is death. Mm, Ishana. Um, I think that as people, as humans, mm-hmm. our natural instincts is what leads us to do like bad things, for example. Mm. So like if like we didn't have any laws, like our laws are made from, you know, the Bible, that's where it really comes from. Don't steal, don't murder, and all yes. that, right? Yes. So if we didn't have any of that, if God never laid that out for us then what we'd be identifying as right and wrong is basically what makes us happy or what brings us pleasure inside, mm-hmm. right? But for some people, stealing is what makes them happy or is that that's what really brings them pleasure. So, um, or even murder or something like that. That's, right. why, that's why we have serial killers. That's because naturally, as humans, sometimes we become happy or we gain satisfaction from the wrong things. So... Those things without God, without his rules or his laws is what would have led us to like death. So, yes. yeah. And, and so, I, I like the point that she brought up. Or oh, Eugene, go ahead. No, I was just going to say like, and we all like, it's always temporary satisfaction. Right. Right. Mm. Temporary gain. Like, mm. The only way that you can actually be fulfilled in anything is through the, through the word of God. Right. Mm. Preach. And so um, the results of not following the mob usually means what? You're hated. Mm-hmm. You're shunned. Right. Yeah, you're and so, to the side. yeah. And well, can you speak on that? What What happens when you decide not to be with the mob? What's the reality? Like, if you were to tell someone today, if you choose to stand up for what you believe in, what would you ha- What would you say to your younger self, or what would you say to someone today who needs a little bit of encouragement as to what is the remedy? And what is the the reality of standing up for what is right, even if it means that you are standing alone? Uh, I, just like what you just said at the end there, um, the reality of it is that you are on your own. Mm. Right? And being on your own is not necessarily a bad thing, but understand that even though you make that steadfast decision to take up the mantle for yourself and be steadfast in what you believe in, don't worry, people will come. Right. Because right? Mm. as soon as you, as I always look at it as like as a leader, you are you are the only person that has a different set of has a different think different point to everything. Right. Or you vision, think differently. Yeah. You have a different vision. But then someone else will see that vision mm. and they will be like, OK, no, I see what you're saying. I understand that. Right. And I can I can stand, I can stand with that. So all, all of a sudden someone else is there someone else is there and then it just keeps growing and growing and growing so like just being steadfast in what you believe in and what you if you believe what is what is true and uh don't worry don't worry too much about it like that's what i would say to myself like <laughs> uh especially with uh especially with how i've grown and everything and trying to start my own my own business and trying to stop everything for myself is that people will come and support you mm. right just keep pushing Right, just keep pushing through. No matter what people say, oh, we don't like this, we don't like that. 
learn from your mistakes, get better at your craft, and people will come and see that everything is good. Wow, powerful. And Nishana, what would, what would be a word of advice for someone who needs an encouragement that um, the mob isn't everything? You know, you got to have or preserve your individual. I think at the end of the day, doing what the mob wants isn't going to make you happy. It's just going mm -hmm. to, it's only going to make you feel more accepted in that crowd. So you could find, I don't want to say a positive mod, mob, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but if you find people who who um, come to accept you if you do the things that are closer to what you believe. So right. basically, if you find the people with the same values as you, there aren't only people who are different from you out there. So if you've come to yes. find people with the same values, values as you, then you can connect with them and stay true to yourself. So you can feel accepted and be you at the same time. Mm -hmm. You just have to be accepted by people who are like you. Mm -hmm. And that's right. the best place for you to be. John 15, or John 15, verses 18 and 19, and it reads, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Mm. And so the reality of what this verse is telling us is Christ, and he's saying, the world will hate you because it hated me. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it hates you is because you are following in my principles. Right. Dark and light cannot mix. Mm -hmm. And so uh, once you start moving contrary to what the masses are doing, they're going to shun you. You're going to feel lonely. Sometimes you're not going to feel like you're enough. But God is reminding us that the servant is not greater than the master. What Christ went through, you will go through. Of course, to a lower degree. But that's the hope. The hope that he overcame so that we can overcome. And that's the message today is simply dare to be alone if it means to be alone. And mind you, there's nothing wrong with following the social norms as long as it doesn't violate principle. Right. Right. Exactly. Seasons and times change, styles change, technology advances. You can't be stuck in the 1800s and we're 2020, right? Even the way we dress changes. But as long as these things don't violate the principles of God and you still feel or you still know that you are representing the true character of God that's written in his word and you're watching, you're praying, something that Peter neglected. Once you do those things, then you are your own individual, you become your own individual, and that's what makes a powerful individual, the ability to do things not because anyone else is doing it, but because God says you should do it. Not even because you think that's what's best. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we deceive ourselves. Right. But because of what God thinks is best. And so that brings us to the end of our episode. So I just want to leave you with a few things. Your individuality must never be merged with another's. Number two, your individuality is distinct. You are distinct. You are not like any other person. And number three, God says this. You are a chosen generation, a priesthood, a peculiar people. You are perfectly and wonderfully made. I made you in my own image. I have plans for you, plans that will not harm you, but to prosper you. Anything that you ask in my name, with faith, you will receive it. And so that, those are the promises today that we reflect, resemble, and reveal the character of God, and that it's okay to stand alone. The mob, the power of the mob is powerful. Think you can't do evil? Well, think again. 
This is I Testify Conversation Station. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Available on all podcast platforms.